welcome back to another episode of the Skits and Giggles podcast. For this one, we got to sit down with Chris Evers, one of the brand managers working for the Swiss bike brand that you didn't know was actually called Bikes. It turns out that amongst many other things that have to get done in that role, a brand manager is also involved in deciding who to sponsor and which race team to support. And it was really interesting to get a deep dive into Chris's process to hear what he is looking for in a rider and which metrics he is considering along the way. Of course, we also chat about how Chris fell in love with the sport and what inspires and drives him to push on, the importance of a bike ride to clear your mind and our views on what young riders can do to find their own path to success and potentially even a sponsorship. For more information about this episode and the Skits and Giggles podcast, you can just follow the links in the description. To support this podcast, please share this episode with your writing buddies, or just leave us a five-star rating on your favorite platform. But for now, please kick back, grab a beverage, and enjoy this conversation with Chris. Do you have... Uh, I think we just start with the... What is the worst, uh, what is the worst part about being addicted to riding your bike? I think that's a great entry. It is. And I couldn't really decide how to answer it. There's, there's two things that I want to say. And one is ask my wife. <laughs> and, the, and the other one is take a look at my shins. And I think <laughs> both kind of like answer the question because um, I think it's like riding bikes is like my absolute passion. It's what I do like all the time. It's what I think. It's what I believe. It's just my, my way of living. Um, but it definitely takes a toll on a, on a partnership, on a, on uh like being with a wife and um i definitely know that my wife is like she's not riding so, so she's like there's a lot of time that i spent doing stuff uh with my about my my biking so i like i watch a lot of stuff i i work in in the branch i ride and it's just non-stop it's always around and it's always the topic that i want to talk about so it's kind of kind of mean to her sometimes. Um, and the other thing is, yeah, it takes it's it's kind of a dangerous sport. I've had my fair share of accidents, and my shins look awful. Um, I've, I've like they're scratched all over. They have, they have a lot of scars all over. Um, so yeah, these are probably the worst things about being addicted to riding a bike. All right, I guess we can live with that. And with that, we welcome. Chris Evers to the Skits and Giggles podcast. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you. All right. Well, we heard what uh, you think is the worst part about being addicted to riding a bike, but I guess we should also be sharing. So Bryson, what do you think is the worst part about being addicted to riding a bike? Uh, first off, I can completely relate with Chris. Um, sometimes my better half also is a little bit like, uh, he's talking about bikes again. Oh, he's looking at bikes again. Uh, and my uh, my shins have ridges on them, like uh, kind of like a dinosaur's back. So, <laughs> but <laughs> what's the worst part? The worst part is, you know what? It's the, the worst part is the same as the blessing. That sounds like the worst answer to give, like at a uh, at interview about what your your what your um, you know like the downsides of you are. The thing is, like you uh, get so obsessed with it, it's so great, it's like fascinating, but at the same time, it takes from you. So I guess. Yeah, the the best thing about it is the worst thing about it. There you go. I think I do agree with uh, it's it's it can be very consuming, but obviously if it's your passion and this is all you you really care about, then then uh, that can't be 
that can't be the worst. Um, but yeah, I guess with uh, with that we leave it and we dive into the topics for the night, if that's okay. Let's talk about mountain biking. Um, I guess to start with, apart from the, the addiction thing, which thank you, Helena, was uh, I think a really really cool question. Um, why don't you tell us how uh, how you fell in love with mountain biking? Well, as a Swiss person, I think most people ride bikes here because it's a very good mean of, of uh, commuting, commuting, of traveling. And um, I, I definitely started riding bikes at, at a very young age. Um, but it all started off with uh, riding dirt bikes, actually. So I grew up racing, um, not not grew up. I didn't really have like a role model or a dad that, that pulled me into it. But um, I was always really interested with motorcycles. And then I... At I think twelve years old, I got my first motorcycle, uh, a KTM one twenty five, which was absolutely amazing. I love this motorcycle, um, and then I just started off riding it on fields, on farmer fields, and then later on I went to motocross tracks. Um, I got really into it. Um, I never really had like, um, what should you say, like like a huge concept on how to do it, on how to race, on how to get better i just wanted to ride and that was that was all i wanted to do um i hung out with a lot of like or i met a lot of cool people at the racetrack and also like traveling around and and uh, on different tracks like training and um made some really good friends um but then later on with with um a, a different job where i had to work on weekends a lot um it was not really an option anymore because um going like to different countries um, to train or to just ride your bike is kind of dangerous if you have to do it by yourself. Um, so I just looked for something else, something that is kind of like close to it. Um, and mountain biking is definitely probably the closest to riding dirt bikes. Um, and it's so much more fun in Switzerland than it is to ride a motocross bike because there's literally no option or th there are options, but very few and they're not the best um, and mountain biking is at, like Switzerland is the paradise. It's the Mecca for riding bikes. So it was very, a very easy decision to get into bikes. So you're like a Swiss, uh, moto kid, if there is ever such a thing, I am. <laughs> I wasn't even aware of that, <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, you know, apart from the, the love of the dirt bike and, and finding something else, what inspired you to, to keep on pushing? Because obviously today you're pretty quick um you know i ran into you at, at races or you're you know on your instagram we can see huge huge sense sometimes uh big jumps all that sort of stuff so what what inspired you to, to keep pushing on with the mountain bike i think it was probably the community i got inspired by, by a lot of people i i watched a lot of videos i i i don't know i get really like i i really always like to push myself to like get better and to like find my weaknesses and work on those and to um i also really loved creating videos creating content i've i've never really like been super professional about it but i just really had my fun with it and um in switzerland with me growing up riding bikes or like getting better at it also the the infrastructures really developed and got better like a lot in the in the time that i um have started it was it was there, there was a lot less like like bike kingdom or like all those all those amazing bike parks that that are there today um they have been quite different when i started off and with that growing it also inspired me to grow with it 
Um, I saw jumps that I really wanted to send. I saw like tracks that I really wanted to write down and it kind of like almost forced me to, to get better and, and to have more fun with it. And I, I just went with it. So today when uh, you ride the bike parks and all that sort of stuff, are you kind of looking for, um, for inspiration from, uh, you know, people in the park or are you, you know, just following the videos or, um, the racing scene or, or what kind of, uh, what kind of pushes you on? Because I want to kind of set the scene before we dive into, uh, the more serious things talking about work and such, uh, tonight. Mm. So I want to kind of set the stage a little bit about, you know, how, how you operate as a mountain biker, because at the end of the day, that's, uh, that's what we are and that's what we're interested in. And that's what we, we like talking about. So, so what kind of pushes you on? What, uh, well, I have a very competitive personality, so I really like um, being out there and, and comparing myself to others and comparing myself to like other riders with their speed or with their with their with their tricks or whatever they do. Um, so that really just pushed me. I, I wanted to be better than others, um, not necessarily because I I wanted to prove them, but be, because I wanted to prove myself. Um, I just really like pushing myself and finding out where I can get and what I can do. I also have played with the thought a lot about becoming a professional mountain biker or becoming a professional athlete, no matter what, um, field. Um, and I think that has always been my, the, 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 the thing that motivated me to, to move on and, and, and overcome fears or, or doubts. Are you are you racing a lot, or are you just sticking to one discipline? I mean, I ran into an Einsiedel at the the season ender of the Swiss Enduro Series. Um, are you also racing other disciplines? Ah, uh, no, I I I have tried downhill at Belvald one time, um, but other than that, no, it's it's only been uh, enduro races. I really got into it because I really liked the aspect of of it being uh, both. Uh, like you need your endurance and also um, a lot of uh, explosivity and uh, coordination. And it's just, it's just for me, it's the whole package and it's a really, really cool event. I would even like events, endure events that, that are like one, like you have one time, even uphills at one time, but not a cross country way. It's more like the enduro, like basically an enduro race, but like start to finish. Because like I really always I always push through. I never really take a lot of breaks. I I just really like to go, uh, and that that is what I love so much about in enduro racing. I think it's a really cool format. Okay, well, I guess you should uh, should try out a marathon at some stage, or you know some of those those classic classic long longer distance races. Yeah. Because that is kind of you know it's a, a solo endeavor mostly, apart from the start. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of time, there's a lot of time to be, uh, be competitive with yourself and, uh, <laughs> absolutely. But is it, is it, is it as technical as enduro races? That, that is what I like about it, you know, like, mm, um, and of course it's, uh, it's slightly less technical and a bit less rowdy, but I think the beautiful thing, um, with mountain biking at this juncture is that, you know, people are realizing that they need to go with the times, right? Our bikes are getting better mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they become more capable. If you look at, you know, cross country mountain bikes, so certainly world cup bikes, you know, they have more travel than they used to. They have pretty much exclusively full suspension. Now we have drop poses, we have better tires, all that sort of stuff. And, uh, of course, 
I mean, some of the races here in Switzerland, they had to adapt to, you know, a different kind of cross-country riding, if you will. I think mm-hmm. two, two examples I have done personally and I can pick out is the, the Eiger Bike Challenge in Grindelwald, mm-hmm. who also has an enduro now, um, the day before, I believe, or the, the same day, but you kind of race the same technical parts in the enduro than that are in the in the actual cross-country race. And of course, we were at the, the Bike Side Festival, which uses some of the same trails as... Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the iron bike race or the new format oh. of the iron bike race which is again the, the classic season ender mm-hmm. right so that is cool. uh yeah it's a uh, it's an interesting thing i i like to dabble in different kinds of cycling like you know i've recently discovered gravel i know it's a big big and dirty word uh, <laughs> but uh, i also you know love love riding um road bikes and, and obviously mountain bikes uh, a lot so i don't i don't really discriminate um one um so before we dive into work last thing i want to know is um how does riding your bike figure in your work life in terms of um inspiration solving problems and uh you know thinking through stuff is Mm, it something you use or oh yeah for sure um to me it is it is a huge part of of especially creative uh stuff and also um, strategic stuff like if I have to like actually uh, come up with an idea or with a concept or with with a new project um, I really like to go on a ride it really helps me to clear my thoughts and and really like get to to what I'm looking for or to like uh, also like get rid of, of of all the noises around it you know like to kind of find what what it's what it's supposed to be about um, I don't really have as much time as I would like to I think that's what probably everybody t- tells you that works in the industry, like that you actually have uh, less time than you, than you did before. Um, but I'm, but I have like options to get rides in and to like, if I, if I'm like working in home office, I take myself some time over lunch break. I, I take a little bit of a longer break to, just to get um, that, that done too. Um, because to me, it, it is also like a huge part to uh, into being more, um more uh, efficient you know mm. and balanced i guess you know, absolutely kind of yeah. Yeah. clearing clearing the space between the ears is always a, a good thing to solve problems mm-hmm. totally. <laughs> yeah all right well we talked a lot about work so let's get serious um why don't you tell us what you do for work to earn your salary <laughs> what i do is like like i said I'm a, I'm a brand manager at bikes um and what we do is um, like usually brand management is a lot about strategy development and brand positioning and all that stuff. Um, what I do is also that, but a bit less strategic and more operational tasks. What that means is like um, I work more about with the implementation of, of an idea and, and like not necessarily the strategy, like more of how we get there. Um, so to put it in, in tasks or in things that I do is like I, I handle sponsorships. Oh, to, first off, like we are two people that, that um, are, are doing the same position. It's me and my colleague. Uh, we're both brand managers. Um, and we kind of like um, we have like the same tasks, but we split it up in like in like responsibilities. Um, but what I do is, is um, definitely like a lot about sponsorships. So like people either apply to us or we um, create a new team or we have a project that we want to work with with uh, with riders 
um, and then we decide who who will be in the team. We're like we check the applications and all that stuff. Um, then definitely content creation. So like all the all the photo and video shoots that that we um, do for for advertisement or um, for websites or for whatever we we need content for. Um, then definitely events, B two B and B two C. So that means business to business and business business to customer. Um, um, there's a lot that we do like in that area. Like we have to uh, plan everything. We have to first off decide where are we going. Like what do we do there? Um, who do we bring? Um, and definitely who is who is the the person that we encounter there. So like everything that we do has to has to have a goal, and we have to have an audience for that. Um, and then maintenance of website, um, then uh, media relations, like communication of, of uh, results or of news, like um, things that we want to launch. Like we have a new product and we go to the media and we tell them like, this is what we do. We, we give them a media release or we give them photos or whatever to put on their website or their, their magazine. Um, and then a lot of planning, budgeting, like figuring out how we use our budget, um, and who who gets um, what kind of uh, sponsorship amount, and um, online offline marketing, social media marketing. It's a very 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 big. Um, oh yeah, no, it sounds like it sounds like <laughs> a lot. Dang, it is a lot. Uh, yeah. So let's let's break it down. What do you what do you enjoy the most? Sponsorship. Out of all these things. Sponsorship. Def- definitely working with with the riders, the athletes. Yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah. And uh, so I guess uh, can you lay out a little bit in terms of the bikes um, sponsorship? You know how how do you split up the different? Let's say I assume you work with buckets of some sort, like you know cross country, enduro, free ride, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. So how how does that look? So. I would first off make a difference between an ambassador and a racer. Like a racer can definitely be an ambassador as well because he's also like he's also like a like a, a face of the brand. Um, but I, I would just make those two groups just because they have different tasks. So the racers definitely they just have to be fast and they have to show up with results and that and all that stuff. And then we have ambassadors that are uh, more like the influence type. I would say. Um, and yeah, we have a lot of, like, we have uh, different teams that, that are like most of all in, in, uh, the racing. So we have, um, cross country racing, we have enduro racing, uh, we have a kids team. Um, the kids are not necessarily racers, but they have like, they have, um, a marketing purpose for us and also a development purpose for us or for them most of all. Um, and then we have our ambassadors that are. Um, here for us to um, go on social rides at events or have them for photo shoots or them also communicating um, by themselves. Uh, they know exactly who we are and what we do and they um, work basically for us. Right? Yeah. Okay. And um, with the uh, the race teams, obviously, you know, the, uh, say the side I understand the most, mm-hmm. if I understand anything, um how uh how deep do you do you work with those teams are you kind of involved in their day-to-day or is it really just here's money please give me results uh it depends on the team so we have the cross-country okay. team which is definitely our biggest um 
budget that we that we work with. Um, and there we have a team manager that works for us, or he's like he also has his own company, but he is like employed for us to do that kind of a job to do it, to be a team manager. Um, and there we still have a lot to do. Like we definitely have like all the communication, like all the results and all that stuff. That's that's stuff that we communicate. So we we put it on the website. We we have it on social media. We um, reach out to to newspapers if like if it's interesting in in uh, to to show that kind of a result. Um, and there, there's still a lot of management to do, even though they have a manager, because the team manager is basically responsible for to make like a like a race schedule to uh, make sure that that all the riders are at the races um, to coordinate everything like on the spot. <clears throat> And we are more in the background, so to like um, organize the, or to to make sure they have a contract to put all that together, to um, come forward with all the ground, like the the framework, um, to negotiate with the team manager, to to just everything basically in the background is what what we still do. So there's still a, a big big amount of work that we do yeah. with, with that team, and then with other teams like the Enduro. Um, race team they, that is much more they like they they operate much more um, by themselves so they have like um, we basically give them what they need the equipment and um, we help them with uh, race subscriptions and um, like a small amount of money so that they can um, you know get a hotel and all that stuff but other than that they're they're basically on their own they're like enduro riders are very <laughs> they're, very, they're very good at that right they just they just take their car and, absolutely <laughs> they take their stuff they go to the race pit and they just start riding right it's very simple and very um i, I really like that it's very like let's go <laughs> okay and um when you um you know when you decide on on sponsorship obviously i guess that's one of the cas- the questions i guess the listeners want to hear um you know what? What are kind of the factors that you decide on? Um, you know, to give someone sponsorship, or what to give someone in sponsorship terms, or how much mm. to give someone in sponsorship terms. I guess we heard a little bit, of course, for racers, the results are in the uh, bit more important. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, let's say, an ambassador role, what what uh, what are the things that you're looking for? Well, with an ambassador, it's like. It's a lot about character um, for me or for us. Um, like for me at the, at the very beginning when someone reaches out to us and we don't reach out to them, um, I want to know, like, do I already know them? Um, it gives me a, a, a pretty good idea about whether they're relevant already or not and what their status is as well because I'm, I would say that I know a lot of people in the, in the mountain bike scene in Switzerland. Um, and if I know them, then it already means that, that they're probably, they probably have a bit of a name or they're, they're like, they have a good network or I've seen them before at a race or like they're, they're engaging in the community. Um, and then I definitely want to know like what their, um, like what their, uh, content is like, like, is, is it like a good quality content if it's for like, like an ambassador, because the ambassadors definitely have a role of um showing our brand from the best side and also putting 
um, like a good product focus forward to their to their audience. Um, then definitely some some metrics matter as well, like reach, um, posting frequency, um, and then at some point I want to meet them in whatever way but usually i like to go ride with them because that gives me a very good idea on how they ride and how they interact with me and um it gives me like a good good idea of their of their um, qualities and and um i really like to just have them in front of me much rather than like email with them or or have a phone call or video call with them yeah, sure. Yeah. Especially for an ambassador, right? You want to kind of get the feeling of how how he interacts, how or she, um, and and kind of uh, how he's representing the brand, right? So I guess that's much more yeah. important in a with a such a role than it is for for a racer type. Absolutely. And then I also care a lot about like the one thing that I really want to know is what what are your goals? Um, that that is, that is something that I want to know both in a racer and an ambassador um, because I want them to be to like strive for something i want i want to see that they have some sort of a vision or um it just shows me that they are um i can't think of the right word that that they are like willing to to put in the effort and to like to go the the talk right okay Mm -hmm. i guess one interesting angle i'm interested in also is um with racers right so there's of course there's a lot happening with racing at the moment um there's always talk about of course yes results are important but then it would be nice if you do social on the side and it would be nice if you're also a great community ambassador and all these kind of things so how how do you separate between those different roles for sponsored athletes and how do you help them to juggle between those different roles? Well, it's definitely incredibly important that they that they can do both. Um, like I said, also for a racer, they're also ambassadors, so they are also like they're out there. They have very often they have like a they're quite a following on on social media. So for us, it's important that they that they are able to um, communicate and to be out there and also like to show us from the best side. Um, but in racing, there's definitely a lot more, the, the metrics count a lot more. Like I really want to, I really want to see what the, what they're capable of. And I usually do that with, um, I don't know if you know it, but have you ever heard of roots and rain? Yes, it's a, of course, of course, very important did. platform. Exactly. So I, I usually like, we, we really like to go the, the development way. Like we'd like to, to, um, f- go with the rider for, for, a longer time, um, if possible. Um, so we like to look for young riders. Um, and then I usually look at roots and rain. I, I look like just o- over a certain amount of time, like what, what were their achievements? <clears throat> um, uh, I compare it with, with other riders, uh, with other prospects. And, um, I then later go into the actual race results. So like, not only like over um, over all different kinds of series, but I go into a series, um, and then I check the results in the in the series. I check the consistency. I check the progression. I want to know that there's kind of a learning curve, um, and then later on I go into 
certain races. Like if someone's actually very interesting, then I look at, at race results. And then for a cross country rider, for example, um, you have like the total race time. You can c- compare the total race time to other racers. Um, then I look into lap times. I compare the lap times with other racers. And I, if I look at it like a, at a young rider, I compare the lap times at the beginning of the race. And then at the end of the race, as you know, they have like fewer laps. Um, I also check out their consistency. I check out like what their potential could be in, in an elite race. Like if you would add like a couple of more laps with that change, that's just assumptions obviously. And it's not like necessarily, um, based on facts, but it's like, it's stuff that I, that I like to look at and it's stuff that gives me a pretty good idea about what a rider can do and what they're, what they're capable of. Okay. This is mega mm-hmm. interesting. Um, uh, so actually the first time I hear, um, let's say brand manager, marketing sponsorship person talk about, let's say really deep data driven decision-making, mm-hmm. um, how uh how did you get into that did you teach that yourself is that like you know is that something you did all the time is that something you learned where did you pick that up um no i didn't really learn that to me that's just i don't know that's just what i want to know that's what i would look at myself like if i'd be a racer then i like i said before i'm very competitive and and i really like to challenge myself and um if i'd be a racer myself i'd I would definitely do that. I would like, if I'd be a, like a newcomer, I'd be like, I don't know, 16 and I'd be racing my, my first couple of races. I would always want to compare like where, where, where do I stand at the, at the beginning of the, of the race? Where do I stand in the middle and at the end? And I would compare lap times with elite riders or with, I would kind of try to row myself into like a stacked field of riders and see where, where I would get. Um, so for me, that's, I just I just tried to figure out what what would be important to myself. Oh, okay, so I'm not the only one that's trying to make up random categories so I can be <laughs> a, top, a top guy. <laughs> yeah, totally. So all the 40 plus dudes with brown hair and uh, I don't know freckles under that category, I'm probably, especially the ones with the hard tails. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm pretty good at that too. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Um, but, uh, you mentioned you focus a lot on, on development. That's something I want to talk a bit more mm-hmm. about, um, at bikes that's called the traction crew, I guess mm-hmm. that exactly. program. And, uh, I really want to hear more about, um, you know, what you're trying to achieve with that, with that team mm-hmm. and, and that approach. Well, two things. Um, one is definitely like development of, of the youth. Um, we really care about, um, the young riders, we really care about the people that are that are following and that are that are going to be the future. Um, and it's definitely also been a marketing purpose for our traction platform, which is the bike. Yeah. Um, so the two things are definitely important. And for us, um, we are a pretty small company with with few uh, employees, and we don't really have the the manpower to be out there all the time and be embedded in the community and, and the traction crew for us is a very good mean to, to, to get out and to like have also like young people engage with, 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 um, with whatever is happening out there. So, um, I decided to pick a couple of riders that are, 
um, a bit spread over Switzerland. So I didn't really want to have them all from the same place because it makes it a bit more interesting. It also opens up the network a bit. Um, so I went with um, um, a guy, like a young boy called Martin from uh, around Basel, and then a young guy from Zurich named Bodhi, and yeah. a young girl named Linda from uh, Luzern. And the goal with those those three kids is really to just help them develop and uh, follow them through their journey and, and give them the best advice we can give them and um, show them all kinds of aspects of mountain biking. So we didn't really want to um, settle with, with just one of the, of the different areas. So it's not about just cross country or just jumping or whatever. It's just about opening their perspectives and showing them what, what mountain biking has to offer. And um, so we started with um, a thing called progression sessions. That's um, like trainings that they have once a month. And um, those trainings are just um, put together with our ambassadors, with people that can instruct them and have like a, a know-how that is um, beneficial for those kids. Um, so for example, um, we have, um, one, uh, progression session that we had in, uh, Hur. uh we went to the Alpen bike park and then that session was about jumping. Um, we obviously went with, uh, Vitor for that, yeah. uh, which is our, <laughs> one of our, uh, free riders. And he yeah. showed them just every, like all kinds of ways to jump. So it was about like racing a jump it was about like boosting a jump about doing tricks about all kinds of different jumps like how do you ride a ramp how do you ride a double how do you ride the table a hip and all that stuff so it's just about opening opening up their perspectives and and giving them like a lot to think about a lot to learn a lot to to work with and um it's not necessarily like a like a like a group of people that we want to like work with all the time because again, we don't have the manpower to do that. Um, but it's, it's a really cool idea to get them, um, into different areas as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, a uh, you know, I think it's pretty, pretty rare that, uh, brands are investing in, in very young riders and, mm. and then also helping them along with, uh, part of the roster of your more established uh, ambassadors and, and mm. other riders right so that's something they can they can really benefit of yeah and uh and, yeah and use for their for their own uh, future absolutely i could i could even see one of these like sculpting the next generation of riders in switzerland like you're opening up all these possibilities for them and maybe one had a focus on cross-country racing but then realized actually I really like jumping more and uh, I really look up to Vitor and we have some kind of camaraderie. So maybe we start riding more together and, you know, the, almost the kind of the, the Chris Raber and, uh, and Hoopy <laughs> scenario where like, it's like tag team action and guys are just progressing and pushing each other. And who yeah. knows, maybe this person from Lucerne or from Basel or from Zurich creates a new genre in mm -hmm. mountain biking in Switzerland, even mm -hmm. forces you to consider a third category, not just ambassador, <laughs> not just racer, you know, who knows? Yeah. By totally. the way, if you were to consider a third one, what kind of like outstanding characteristic would you say would propel you 
I would definitely say like the development side. I really, really enjoy that. I think that the the young kids, they, they really, I don't know. It gives me so much to, to work with them and to see them be so interested in everything. And I would definitely like have, have that as a, as a third category. If it, if it's even a category, I think it's just like, it's like, it can be both. It can be races and, and ambassadors, but, um, a lot of times they're, they're, they're not really put into those positions and I can really see how those kids are, are thriving and how they're like just loving what they do. And, and they're also so incredibly proud of, of, of the position they're in. And it makes me very happy to see that for sure. I love that feeling of like creating community mm-hmm. and actually that's what, that's pretty much the thing for me for mountain biking is like, yeah. yeah, 100%. I say that. So yeah. when I see that kind of stuff grow, whether it's through kids or yeah. whether it's through like even uh, newcomers to mountain bikers, like, you know, people in their fifties or whatever saying, Hey, let's go for a ride sometime. And then you see them out on the trail randomly. Like, Oh, I remember when you guys met, like, that's so cool mm. though. Like this is like something started, you know, that's a cool Absolutely. feeling. Absolutely. And there's a lot, there's a lot like coming with it, you know, like we've, we had those like six or those monthly uh, progression sessions. And um, it was about building a community 100%. Um, Like the idea is to open it also up for the public, you know, like to have them invite friends to those sessions. So like more people can, can join that kind of a movement um, we've also had like a collaboration with the Swiss Endurer series um, where we, um, where we organized a training session. Like it was a whole day um, where we invited um, a bunch of kids, like it was 30 kids and um, me and a couple of our racers. And it was about um, showing those kids, like how do you prepare for a race and what do you bring? Like, what do you need? Like what is, what are different, what do different techniques look like? How do you break? How do you turn? How do you jump and all that stuff? Um, just to make it easier for like for those kids to transition into racing and, and not be scared about that. And on that day, we also like had two little race runs where we like just took a tiny little section and then we let them race for time. And it was, it was really cool to have like all those kids have so much fun with it. And hopefully there, we see them race at some point at a, at a, whatever race talking of racing uh just a while back there you mentioned like i don't know if you were throwing it out there but like timed uphill sections is that what is that where you're going with your your idea for enduro racing well i would love that <laughs> because i was I also thinking that a while back because actually some of the my, my favorite parts of riding is like when you have like a technical bit of trail and then like you clean it you know like you like Mm -hmm. you try maybe you try two or three times or whatever and you like want to get it good um this is like super rewarding for me um and i always thought like man they should just throw this into enduro races Mm -hmm. and then when as you were thinking as you were talking about this it got the the gears turning what if they made like an opposite enduro where you like only climb technical trails obviously not like (laughs) downhill trails right but like you know intentionally you know like those trick trails right Mm-hmm. Time yeah, up. It would definitely be interesting. Yeah, I'd love to see. I mean, I think they do that on e-bikes, though, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah, exactly. With okay. the e enduro. I'm in the wrong but, sport. Uh, I mean, the funny thing is, is like per the rules of enduro, like you know, original enduro world series or whatever, it isn't required to be only downhill, right? So right. they're 
it needs to be 80% downhill and again, yeah. the rest can be whatever it is, right? So, so there, there would be scope to do, uh, to do some, some technical uphills. Obviously no one wants to do that and see it, especially if you're breathing through your ears already, but, yeah. uh, but there would is be an actually, interesting challenge, right? We just don't get to see it because it's not, it's just not very well broadcast, let's say just generally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that's the general problem of Enduro. Um, that is the general problem. Absolutely. Bryson, you threw something really interesting onto the Skits and Giggles HQ chat channels uh, the other day, which is also known as WhatsApp between you and I. Um, Do you want to elaborate on that, maybe, Bryson, and what the the general point was? Definitely. Actually, I'm going to read it out. Quick background check. I was in my mind. Uh, I think we just wrapped up something on the pod. And uh, for me, it was just like, I have this little bit of contention with um, social media and um, influence in, in general. But, you know, you know, we just had uh, Louis Eisenhut on the pod and, and it opened my mind up to what influencing is and a little bit more about social media. Like I am a little bit in the dark in, in that regard because I just, I kind of let it fall away from me. I'm I was into it at first, of course, you know, like everyone, when it started, it was kind of like hype and it's like, hey, this is cool, showing off stuff, where is this going? And then I kind of was like, eh, you know, I'm fine without it. But it's a, it is a very part of our, our everyday lives, of our modern society. So it should go, it should be explored, let's say. And for me, the exploration, the exploration took me into a, into a thought of, and I'll read it. I understand the trend for athletes and now influencers for someone to pay their bills. I mean, that's just kind of like a part of the way things work, right? Everyone needs to have their bills paid. But why doesn't society place value and look up to people who are trying to do it without support, like intentionally? They're like, hey, I'm a privateer. I'm going to be a privateer. And I'm doing this privateer way, my own way. And because that's the way I like it. And maybe they're not so exposed. So maybe we don't know about them. That's why we don't look up to them. So it goes on with why is the conversation always about who supports you, who backs you as in companies or sponsorship and how can someone get there? Like, you know, it's the age old question for young athletes or people who are maybe looking to boost themselves up and saying like, oh, can I get a sponsorship? What can I do to get a sponsorship? Should I be jumping more? Should I post more? Like, these are questions that uh, people who want support are asking. So that was kind of like a really wide open, loose, you know, barf of a general cloud at you. (laughs) But if we narrow it down, why, and it might be more of a psychological question, but why are we always looking to like these athletes who are getting sponsorship? And why can't we look to the um, the solo artist, right? Yeah, I just believe it's it's just way more flashy. It it means a lot more to a lot of people to like see a Red Bull helmet on an athlete than it it, it means to like just have a normally clothed athlete. Um, to me, it's I think it's also a lot about social status. I think it gives you a lot of credibility. Um, so also social media, it it kind of helps that whole movement by by looking up to those people it's just the people that that have all the sponsorships and that have like in their bio um i'm a red bull athlete or whatever kind of an athlete they're they're just 
I don't know, they, they, they are more enlightened. They seem to be, they seem to have a proof of, of their skills. It seems to look like this gives you that, that extra amount of credibility. To me, it's a, it has a lot to do about with that. I kind of see it. I mean, I agree with you. Um, I also, I see it like uh, it's kind of like this formula that's already been written and kind of tested and proven. So they're just kind of like tweaking it and seeing how they can like optimize it and you know get it to best perform, basically. Because in the end, it's all business. So mm-hmm. I mean, for for businesses, of course, <laughs> for people, maybe for racers, it's more about like getting results. Or I mean, everyone has their own motivation, but um, yeah. Uh, People want to, they're motivated to succeed in either a business sense or a, a results racing sense. And they're looking for ways that they can do this. And if there's already like a pre-written rule, for example, scoring Red Bull helmet and then doing video projects and then, you know, it's just, you know, you become obviously more famous and maybe with that you get better results. I mean, it could all come hand in hand, let's say. Definitely. I mean, I mean, all the, like the, all the support, it also gives you like, it, it makes you be a bit more advanced. Like it gives you the better material. It gives you, um, it, it gives you the better protection. It makes you not worry about things that others have to worry about, but still, like if you have an underdog taking a win, it's still a, a huge story. And people still are incredibly happy for, for those underdogs winning. Um, I just, it's just so much harder, right? If you don't have all that, all that support, if you don't have like, like I, I, we have a lot of athletes that, that, or not a lot, but we have athletes that are, that are uh, in need of, of, of some kind of support so that they can concentrate on, on their craft, which is racing. And if they don't have that, they have to worry about getting their bikes fixed, about getting like a, an, like a, an extra pair of, of, uh, discs or, or brake pads or whatever, you know, like it's sponsors just help you to be, to have that like advantage right Mm -hmm. and i realized this but like that's where like the that's where the real question comes in so it's like i'm a normal everyday person most for the most part you are i mean you're brand manager but still you know pascal as well like we're we're not sponsored per se like professionally um we have professions sure that pay for our stuff but um where i'm going with this is we're just like normal Joes, let's say, and we can see on Instagram or wherever we see our media channels, uh, guys with Red Bull and girls with Red Bull helmets uh, or, you know, people winning races, like, but they are extraordinary. Hmm. And we are looking at them like, oh, like, I just need, to, or maybe not we are, but like, there's people looking at them and saying like, okay, I can be there. I'm going to be there. But like, maybe realistically not. I don't know, you know, of course, but maybe like what is it that yeah how come it's i'm sorry maybe it's not a question for you <laughs> that's that's my bad i should be talking to a clinical psychologist or something but it's like we look up to these idols like they i'll never be michael schumacher or whatever i cannot do a lewis lewis hamilton but i definitely like ad, admire race car driving so mm. You know what I mean? It's like we always have like these idols, like whatever, Jet Lawrence or who knows, right? So it's a funny thing about it's a funny thing about this, right? 
Yeah, I think, yeah. but I think it's also because we're all consumers, you know, like we all love new products. We all love a new helmet. We all love new goggles. And it's just, it's just exciting to take it out of the box and to wear it and to show it off and to yeah. be proud of it and to have the colors flash and all that stuff, you know, yeah. it's, I just believe it's, it's a like we're materialistic and we love having stuff, you yeah. know, and having new stuff that looks good and that is maybe not even on the market yet. It just makes us feel good. This brings us right back to the very first question. The worst thing about mountain biking. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. What I what I found interesting, what I find interesting though about everything that you guys just said, right? It's kind of, um, I think Red Bull in that sense is a very uh, interesting example is if you think about the most iconic Red Bull athletes in our sport, then generally, well, with a few exceptions, but let's take Kate Edwards, for example, right? He's not the best racer. He's some kind of free rider, individualistic, steez king, something. Mm. And I think what the message should be and that's what i i focus on hearing uh, is that there is a place for individuality and if you focus on the work and your craft and your strengths then there is also brands that can see that and mm-hmm. see the value in that for them and hopefully can see what you can be and the best of you and and that's what you should be focusing on. Mm-hmm. Very well said. Very I know well it's very, very up there, and but you know that's kind of really the, what the message should be to younger guys that are listening to this and are looking for sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't need to fit, and I know that goes against everything that you said before, right? Because you said you're going to look at your socials, you're going to look at your roots and rain, and you're going to look at this and this metric and the other metric. Mm-hmm. I guess the best you know, athletes or influencers, ambassadors, whatever you want to call it, marketing vehicles for a generic term, they don't necessarily, they don't necessarily fit the bill of mm-hmm. exactly this metric and the other metric. So if you're really pushing to be the best of yourself, then you should not focus on fitting a category. You should be focusing on defining your own category. And if you're lucky and kind of go with the times, then you will be successful mm-hmm. because brands see that. I need to throw in a no, a bad word here. <laughs> o, O-F, right? That's kind of like the, like, hey, I'm doing what I'm going to do. You can subscribe to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. we, we have racers doing it already. And oh, yeah, I know. I think they're keep, uh-huh. they keep going. You know, it's... So it might be the next genre, or it is now, let's say. Maybe. I don't know. It could be Patreon. Who cares what the platform is? could be YouTube subscriptions. If that's what you want to consume, pay for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I guess that's, uh, I think uh, I believe in uh, the marketplace on the one hand and be in, um, you know, people paying for whatever they like to consume. So that if that is the way it's going, then I think we should just find a better platform than OnlyFans. 
Point taken. Like I totally agree with you, Pascal. But for someone like for someone like Kate Edwards to to get to the point where he is, you have to like he's still incredibly good at literally oh, all sure. of those different areas. He's like he's not the best, but he's still so good that he still is better than most of the of the rest of the world, right? So that is like still yeah, sure. in, in, incredible skill, incredible uh, athlete. But yeah, that's that, that was very, very well put. Thank you. Is there anything else you want to tack on, Bryson? Yeah. Um, I've been thinking about like how to be a better podcaster. And I thought maybe I should ask some different kind of questions. And one question I would like to ask you, Chris, is the things that you describe your job as your job description it is quite amazing that you're you're managing all of these things, uh, you and your uh, colleague. It's a lot of stuff. Um, mm. So it sounds like pretty much you've kind of like got things down and it's quite polished. But I want to know from you, um, is there ever a time or was there ever a time or I've, yeah, of course there has been. So let's just say in the situation where there has been ever a time, please tell us, where you felt like you weren't like very good at something and yeah could you maybe just quickly describe something that for, for us even if it's in or outside of a bike context yeah absolutely like I, i'm i'm very new to this business i've never like before being a brand manager at bikes i've never done anything in the in the industry so I, professionally um so i literally got thrown into this like i was lucky enough to get the opportunity to get this job and that someone saw my potential. Um, but, but I was literally thrown into an office that I had no idea what to do, like absolutely no idea. Um, and they gave me the confidence and they gave me that, like they believed that I was capable of doing this. So I believed in myself as well. Um, but honestly, starting off in this job, I had no clue. So I literally had to just figure everything out. I had to, um, try to understand how this company works, how the, the industry works, how I manage my job. And it was quite stressful, <laughs> I have to admit. Um, it was a lot, but um, I started loving every aspect of it. And I knew that I was capable of understanding our crowd and our, our following. And um, I, because I'm, I myself am like living this 100%. So it was just like, about relying on my on my instincts and just trying to figure things out and um, it it all kind of worked out so so far I'm very happy with what I do it, it actually just reminds me of a blog I just read about um, having a cultural fit and I think uh, traditionally that meant like let's say in a sports arena it would be like uh, okay you uh, start working for a sports branded company therefore you're probably an athlete or an ex-athlete or something like that but what the new mm. age of what a cultural fit should be is like you perhaps come from a different angle. Maybe you were never an athlete, but you are like a, a very passionate, serious enthusiast. And that way mm. you're bringing kind of like this new perspective into like the way things are done or the way things have been done traditionally, bringing value with it. Because it's like all of a sudden it's like, yeah, we do this thing. It's mundane and just it just goes and goes and goes. But now there's like this twist on it and all of a sudden everyone's like, ears perked or they're all of a sudden like taking more interest in a certain area or you know it can always mix things up for the positive if it's managed mm -hmm. well so it mm -hmm. sounds like they they 
they saw that you were a good cultural fit and they decided, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But also it was like the, the good thing about the team that I work in, like I told you, like my colleague and I, we have the same position. Um, it's a very great fit. So like she's, she's more of the, of the educated person. She knows a lot about uh, brand management and about like that, that whole field of marketing. Um, and I'm like the, the other side with like knowing about, uh, the sport and about bikes and about the community and like all that. It's a perfect, like we, we perfectly come together and, and do this job together. Okay. Well, thanks for that. Um, I guess we are uh, getting towards the, the end of our time tonight. Um, Chris, is there uh, anything else that you wanted to add? No, that's about it. Thank you very much. All right, cool. Well, but we have something else to add because there's one thing, at least one thing that we always ask at the end of an episode. And Bryson, what is that? Hey, Chris. So um, we're going to jump into the very last question here because it's it's the most dear to our heart and uh, it puts the biggest um smile on our faces would you please describe to us your perfect skid <laughs> oh wow we never had a verbal <laughs> yeah that's awesome to actually have to make a sound <laughs> oh man that's i mean it's completely original i love it I love it. Thank you, Chris. That's great. I approve. I, we can we can exactly <laughs> see it. <laughs> All right. Gosh. Cool. I guess with that amazing skid, we wrap it up for tonight. Thank you very much for your time. If uh, our listeners want to know more about you and uh, what you do, where can they where can they find you? Um, on Instagram, um, I am named Crank underline Echelon. There you go. Boom. We stick that into the uh, show notes and uh, so people can find it. And with that, we say thank you for your time and we wrap it up. Thanks a lot for having me. Cheers, boys. Thanks for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Why don't you let us know what you think? We really like to hear from our listeners. To find out how to get in touch with us, follow the links to our website in the description or find us on Instagram under at Skits and Giggles. Until next time, Skigglers.